0: See all this morning, Jesus is Lord, eh? Amen. Yes, He is. Uh, Nathan, if you could join me here for a minute, um, you know every every week during the series we've been sharing with you the soap reading, which is uh, the scripture, the uh, what it says to you, how you apply it in a prayer. And uh, Nathan, if you'll come on up, take that mic right there, and uh,
1: sure. there we go. Y'all hear me? Perfect. All right, so uh, start with Scripture. Uh, James 3, 9 through 10 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, it, um, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Uh, so my observation was I allow my mouth to say a lot of things uh, that maybe it shouldn't say. And from the same mouth I stand in a worship service like this and... Um, talk about God and his name and and maybe among all of you have a conversation about God and then uh, maybe during the week or maybe not even that long maybe Sunday afternoon there's a conversation that gets had that that that's not good and and not uh, productive towards people or not building people up and then my application was I should carefully consider the words I choose to say if I desire to lift up God's name then I should also desire to lift up other people And my prayer was this, Father, help me, help me pause, help me slow down, Uh, help me consider what my tongue says and and the impact it's having on others. Incredible. Incredible. Thank you, Nathan.
0: As you've already seen in our study of James, the, the teaching of the book of James is more than anything to bring Christian believers to maturity, even when they're in difficult circumstances to bring them to maturity in Christ. His goal in James is to take readers of this letter and bring them to full maturity in their whole being with a, with no reservation totally devoted to Christ all in. That's what he's trying to do. Now what we're going to do today is tackle the first 12 verses of chapter 3 to show us that spiritual maturity is evidenced by the tongue. So if you don't mind, we're going we're gonna to read this together, okay? Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they're large and driven by strong wind, They're steered by a very small rudder whenever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, itself set on by fire of hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Brothers and sisters... Can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear p- figs or pigs? <laughs> Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. You know, I was trying to think of a really good title for the sermon today because you always look like a neat little title. And I came up with several ideas. The first one was the power of the tongue. That is so boring. Then I thought up with maybe... Uh, Watch your words. That sounds more like a lecture from mom. And then I thought about this one, Try to be cute, shut your mouth. Maybe not. So I finally came up with a title that I think best describes this sometimes weird relationship we have with our uncontrollable tongue. I decided to choose this one wall thing All of you that are about my age, this is totally up our alley. All humor aside, it really is one of the most powerful passages in the entire New Testament. As you remember, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And James captures well what his half-brother taught about controlling the tongue. And he easily divides this. this This is a preacher's paradise with this passage. Into four neatly compacted Little points, little sections. First of all, verses 1 and 2, James starts saying things about teachers. He says, some of you don't need to be teachers because you've got to know if you're a teacher, you're going to be judged more strictly. Now, why is that true? Because teachers are all about words. Teachers are about what comes out of their mouth. And a teacher that has an uncontrollable tongue is teaching the wrong stuff. And he wants to make sure we understand that. So he's really saying in his first section, there is difficulty in taming the tongue. That's our first point. Difficulty of taming the tongue. Um, If James' words are applicable to teachers, then they are probably applicable to every Christian just as much. It sort of is like we use our tongues to describe where we are spiritually. When I was a kid, I used to go to the doctor, and you know what the family doctor always said to the kid. Stick out your tongue, and you could do... It was the only time in my life I could stick out my tongue at someone and not get a spanking. <laughs> you know, the doctor sticks that stick down your throat, and he looks in your mouth, he looks at your tongue. It's like he can tell a lot about our health by looking at our tongue. And it's the same spiritually, really, when you think about it. What comes out of our mouth... It's an accurate index of the health of our heart. Whoa, that's scary. <laughs> Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. So as a spiritual physician, James decides he's going to do this thing and, and just take a tongue analysis of the church. Notice his, James's idea here. He said that a mature Christian should be able to bridle his tongue. You see, the tongue really needs a bridle, not just a a stopper. A bridle means the tongue can be used for good or bad. Sometimes it means that we just need to learn when to be quiet, just to have some silence, to know when to shut up. Now, I'll be honest with you, that is the battle I struggle with the most. As you know, I'm a man of many words, many too many words. And, um, and I, know, I know that. I know it helps me to know that. I've had many people tell me that too. But it also means being able to bridle your tongue and be able to use it for what it was meant to be used for, by using gracious, uplifting speech when that's necessary, or just speaking the truth, but realizing sometimes you can murder love with the truth, <laughs> So you have to know what the Spirit is saying. Use that, those words wisely. James, in other words, thinks that a person's speech is the best thermometer of his spiritual maturity. Did you hear that? A person's speech is the best thermometer of their spiritual maturity. And that, is, that makes me shudder. I stand here and go, whoa. And it's so evident to everyone With all this being said, uh, James realizes that nobody, except for Jesus, nobody has succeeded in totally mastering our tongue. Our only hope is that because we belong to Christ, we can become more and more like him in the use of our mouth. That's true. That's our greatest hope. This battle that we are in for vocal holiness... (laughs) Vocal holiness. This battle we're in is one that has to be waged on a daily basis. It's an ongoing battle. It's not something you can come and get fixed one time at the altar. It's got to be something we keep with us all the time. The question is this. Are you in the battle? Are you still in the fight or have you given up? And that's about being all in. You can't be all in if you're not still in the battle to control and bridle the tongue. Now, we got to fight the battle. The second little section he deals with, number two, would be called, this is weird, the disproportionate power of the tongue. Now, come on. The tongue is small. Really, compared to the rest of us, the tongue is really quite small. Boy, does it have power. In um, in James uh, 3, verses 3 through 5, he says, first of all, the tongue is like the bit in the mouth of a horse. Now, no doubt, James had watched... These Roman soldiers come in on their big Roman horses and, and not noticed how the power of the Roman army or the, the power of the Roman police force, so to speak, or, or a chariot is all in the mouth of a horse. That, that, that Roman army only goes the way that the bit, that little bitty bit in that mouth takes it. Enormous power and energy with the tongue. And then he said, it's like the rudder of a boat, uh, by the way, large ships in those days were very common. There were, there were ships in the Roman Empire that would go across the Mediterranean that could carry over 1,000 people. We think that's a modern thing. No, 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 no. They, they were big shipbuilders. And he recognized that even that big ship was controlled by a small rudder that told it where to go. That's what it is with the tongue. The tongue is small, but its power for good and bad is totally disproportionate to its size. This wise man once says this, and I love this phrase. A fool's tongue is long enough to cut his own throat. How true. Now, why does does James want to talk like this? Come on, James, say something uplifting. Because both out of his reading Proverbs, he was a good Jew that read Proverbs, and out of his own experience, he saw how powerful the tongue can be. And sometimes the disproportionate power of the tongue comes from the fact that we are so used to using it wrong and being around people who use it wrong to where we don't even notice what's going on. Folks, a few days ago I was in, I was in another state and I'd gotten on the elevator and you know how it is, an elevator, a nice confined space. I'd gotten on the elevator and with about three other people or whatever, and the door closed. We went up to the next floor, the door opened, and a lady, a well, beautiful, well-dressed uh, lady got on the elevator, greeted everybody with a nice smile. The door closed, and immediately, everybody in the elevator knew the same thing. She smelled like a chimney. She was a major smoker. She had perfume, but it did not cover and you could tell everybody on the elevator was holding their breath. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, that's just the truth. And you know what? She had no idea that, that, that it was that reeking smell. She had no idea. Because everything to look at her said the opposite. In, in our smoke-free environment that we're used to, I remember when I was a kid, people smoked everywhere and all over the place. And it was like everywhere you went, you came home smelling like smoke. It's not like that anymore, and I'm glad. But... Uh, But I'm telling you, everybody in the elevator could tell it. Jesus says the same thing about us. We don't realize it sometimes, but everybody in the world know more about us than we do sometimes because we don't judge what's coming out of our mouth. We have no idea what we sound like. You ever hear yourself on a tape recorder and you go, oh, God. I hear myself on a tape recorder and I say, they should have cast me for the Beverly O'Billies. No question. Every time I hear myself, I think, no. I mean, Matt, uh, Jeremy King, you, you've been on television a lot of your life as a, as, a, as a news announcer. Did you ever listen to yourself and go, oh, man, did, you ever, did that ever bother you? Yeah. It did. <laughs> and Jeremy has the most perfect voice in the world. I would, I would like swap voices with Jeremy any moment. And see, we aren't aware of what other people hear sometimes. Of course, there's a positive side of this, too. (laughs) The disproportionate power can be really good. Uh, Proverbs 15, 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. How about that? Those small words you say to somebody, that encouraging word you give to somebody can change their life for the good, too. It can. So, we've seen this so far. The tongue is difficult to control, and Even though it's small, it's powerful for good or for bad. But we also see that all depends on the connection the tongue has with the heart. So here's the third section. I know you think, boy, you're in a hurry. I sort of am. The third one is the destruction caused by the tongue. Okay, here we go. In this third section, uh, James has these images pass across his mind. They're very vivid. And he compares the tongue to. The first one in verse 6 was a fire. He says a small fire can, can destroy an entire forest. A little uncontrolled spark, that word uncontrolled is a big word there. That word uncontrolled spark, it's the same way with the tongue. It can make a giant forest fire. A sharp word, a loose sentence, a sarcastic comment, which by the way is not a blessing. Sarcasm is never a blessing. It can cause a wildfire that can't be extinguished. Words can destroy lives. James is is specific too. This is what he says. He says, and by the way, that fire is started by hell. Oh, hello, James. Let's just be real easy on us here. That fire is started by hell. He uses the word Gehenna. Gehenna is a New Testament word Jesus used. And the word, in fact, the other New Testament writers very seldom use that word for hell. But James did. I guess he and Jesus sort of liked that word. And what it was, Gehenna was a garbage dump in Jerusalem. It was, a, it was the Valley of Hinnom. And Gehenna means in Hinnom. And he was, he was talking about a garbage dump. And it was a place where they had rotten bodies of animals and rotting food. And, and there was constantly fire going there. And it was constantly burning. And he said... That's where an uncontrolled tongue comes from. Garbage dump. A fiery garbage dump. Now, look, he didn't didn't mince his words, did he? And then he uses another one. He said not only a fire. This one to me is really cool. He says the tongue corrupts the whole body. That word corrupt is, is a Greek word, and here's the Greek word. Spilao. Spilao is where we get our word spill, and it means a stain. It can stain the whole body. I think that is a huge image, a stain. Uh, I've, I've done a lot, of, a lot of weddings, and I always know that when you go to a wedding and somebody goes, yes, we're going to do communion at our wedding. I notice the bride doesn't think about it, but the bride, whoever's in charge of the wedding, what are they call Bridal planners, they think about it. We're not using purple grape juice. We're going to use white grape juice. Because what if she spills it on her dress? She'll turn around and you'll pronounce some husband and wife and everybody will go, Wah! she spilled it. <laughs> hey, guys, we know that's why I don't like to wear ties. It's because I always use them as a bib. And I, I, for weddings, I have a white tie that I like to wear. And I promise you, what I do I don't put the tie on and walk around in it because, you know, they're saying, hey, you want to drink a Coke before we start? Or would you like some food, some cheese, mustard? (laughs) Because I know during the wedding they won't hear a word I say. They won't look at the bride. They'll look at the yellow dot on the tie. It's a stain that kind of corrupts the whole thing. The spot. Is a small one, but it is very visible. Have you noticed that? That's what it's like with tongue words. No matter what kind of people skills we have or ministry techniques we use, words say a whole lot more than you think. And people listen to them. One big slip of the tongue, one careless tweet, one Facebook post has caused people, you've seen it, Uh, TV announcers, sports announcers, television personalities, actors, actresses, preachers. One of those things has caused them to lose their job. It's true. Verse 8 also says this. It's a restless evil. It's really cool that he says that. It means a wild, roaming evil. It's like, remember where the Bible says Satan is like a, a lion, roaring lion, Wandering around, seeking whom he may devour. That's my mouth. And I know that. It's a restless evil. It's wandering around going, who can I get next with my sharp wit? I'm telling you, it's a restless evil. And, and the tongue uncontrolled acts just like its master, Satan. <laughs> a roaring lion seeking whom it may devour. And then the last thing in verse eight, 8, it says, look at all these images. Fire, stain, Wild thing, (laughs) wild beast, and then a deadly poison. Listen, seriously, I've worked with young people most of my life in some way or another. And I have noticed in counseling and ministering to young people, I've noticed this. Most of the hurts and wounds that they carry do not come from acts done to them but words said to them. I mean, that's disproportionate. It's true. Words do affect people. If the pen is mightier than the sword, then we can kill a man as easily with words as we do with a sword. Of course, everybody listen carefully if you will. Of course it's natural to think about these things in a lost world. Uh, Pastor Jay mentioned it this morning. Our nation has been has been traveling down a certain road for a long, long time. And it's almost like it's not surprising to hear something new because that's the way that the nation's been going. But folks, that same destructive power of the tongue that concerns James here is when it gets in the church among God's people. Brothers, these things should not be. That's what he's saying. When these same destructive powers are released within the body of Christ, that's a problem. How commonplace it is to hear a fellow Christian's name brought up in some context or another and the first words of response demean that person's reputation or belittle them or say they, we don't accept that person although it's a brother for whom Christ died. Have you ever heard that saying, if you can't say anything good... Don't say anything at all. And we say it almost like it's a joke because Bambi's mother said that in the Disney movie. I'll tell you what. Bambi's mother wasn't the first one to say that. The first person to publish that was an incredible man of God named Robert Murray McShane. An incredible guy. Incredible preacher. And he said, it is so dangerous to be careless with a Fire that can destroy a brother for whom Christ died, if you cannot say anything good, do not say anything at all. There are a group of people you've all heard of called Quakers. They're the guy that invented oatmeal. And oil. (laughs) Quakers are renowned for not saying a lot, even in church. They sit there a lot silently. Their rule of thumb, they have, and they're taught this from Sunday school up. You must ask yourself three questions before I speak. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Well, there goes much of my vocabulary. I'm serious. Think about it. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Jonathan Edwards, you've heard of him. uh, One of my favorite historical figures. He's the guy that was so instrumental in bringing the Great Awakening Entire country, great man of God. When he was a teenager, he wrote a resolution, is what he called it. A resolution that he lived by all of his life. I'm gonna to read to you his resolution. I resolve to never say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly compatible with the highest degrees of Christian honor and of love of mankind and agreeable to the lowest humility with a sense of my own faults and failings and agreeable to the golden rule. I am resolved to never speak evil of any except when I have some particular good reason that may be proved by it. And I am resolved that there may be something benevolent in everything I speak. I am resolved that I shall hold this as a simple test of my own words for the rest of my life. What a cool guy. He made a resolution how easily it is for our words to destroy what we've spent a lifetime building. I mean, ask people like Brian Williams about that. Ask people that have been fired from their jobs because of one statement that they've built all their life. When I was a teenager, uh, I was a senior in high school, and I, I'll just be real honest with you, I was, I was very vocal about my Christianity it was during the Jesus movement days, and I know people back then were like uber vocal, and I was. Very vocal, I was one of the Jesus people and all, and everybody knew that, and I made, made sure everybody knew that. And that, that's sort of like what James says, if you're going to be a teacher, you're going to be judged more strictly. And I, I, remember, I, would, I, I remember this happening one time that it just grieved me so bad about myself. I, I was in a PE class, and it was one of those lovely PE classes that some of you have been to where the coach was the PE teacher, but you played cards during PE and you sat there because he was worrying about the basketball team. So we played cards almost every day at PE, and got a wonderful grade for it. And, uh, and we played. It was a craze where everybody wanted to play rook. I loved to play rook. It was really fun. And so we were playing rook, and you know, there are people playing rook. They're using the cards. Everybody else is watching and they're looking and going, oh, you know, and and oh, you shouldn't have played that and all that. And It was really quite fun out there. And, And I got into the game, and I remember a guy that was there in the circle playing rook. I I thought he was trying to peek onto my my cards. And he, he kept, honestly, I think he was, but he kept trying to sort of, you know, look around and see if I had the rook or not. And it got on my nerves, got on my last nerve. And I did this. I'm going to tell you what I did. Man of God, this is what I did. I put my hand in the air and said, Lord, if he cheats again, strike him dead. What are you laughing about? That was awful. Let me tell you what. First of all, immature Christian was written all across the, oh, my forehead at that moment and for many days after. Did you know that word got around school? as sort of a, not only a joke, I was going, oh, I was just joking. The truth is, I was mad. I was angry, and I used my mouth and put God in on it. And I'm sure God the whole time goes, oh. Let me tell you what it did. It affected me. It affected my ability to love people. The guy that I said it about was the guy that I had really tried to win to the Lord. I'm just telling you, it's called an uncontrollable tongue. I remember uh, a few years ago, Pastor Jay, a few years ago, uh, our Master's Commission team went to serve at a banquet. We, we're all good at serving banquets. So we went to serve at a pastor's banquet at another place. Somebody had asked us to come, and we went and served. And, and when the pastor's banquet was over, we were coming back. And I just noticed a lot of my, a lot of my students were just, something was wrong. And when I found out that that pastor's banquet, the pastors had been so rude and cutting and awful to them as they were serving them free, just serving them, had just treated them like, like slaves or something. It, it, and you know what? It affected them. There were people that said, man, I, I don't know if I can be a preacher if that's how they are. And it broke my heart. I even hate to say that here in, in church to you, but it broke my heart. And I thought, I'm, I'm thankful thankful to God they had some other seasoned believers that they could follow a good reputation and a role model but the stains inflicted upon young believers can be very devastating to people very devastating we've all seen or caused we've all seen or caused moments like this remember Isaiah he saw the Lord high and lifted up and what's the first thing he said he was overwhelmed and he said Woe is me, which is King James, for I'm in deep trouble. He said, I am in deep trouble, and this is what he said. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. The first thing he noticed was, I got a filthy mouth, and everybody around me does too. It's sort of like the lady in the elevator. It's like suddenly if we had turned a switch on and she could smell what we smelled. She would go, oh God, I'm out of the elevator. Stop, let me out. That's what happened to Isaiah. He saw the Lord and he suddenly saw that most of his problem came from his mouth. That was a big moment. A big moment. Our tongues are the most obvious index of what's at the center of our being. I was reading the words of this uh, famous guy named David Lloyd George. He was a great, great preacher. Charles from back in the early part of the 20th century. And a lot of people quote David Lloyd George, um, incredible man of God, and he was talking about James 3, and this is what he said. I I want to read to you his quote. How do you know whether a man is a Christian? The answer is that his mouth is shut. He has no more high opinions or clever solutions. This is the central truth of the gospel. You do not begin to be a Christian until your mouth is shut, until your words are stopped, until you have become speechless and have nothing to say. No man should ever speak for God until his first become speechless. Boy, that's big stuff right there. Remember the story of Jacob in the Bible? Remember what happened to Jacob? How did he end up with a limp? Anybody remember how he ended up with a limp? He fought God and lost. Remember? He got in a wrestling match with God and lost. And he limped. His inner pride, his habit of deception, his lying words, his shadiness all met God that day and something had to change and it changed him and he left there a different man limping. Let me tell you what, a mature Christian will have a limp in their speech when God has really touched this part of our lives. We'll have a limp in our speech. The surrendering of the heart can lead to the bridling of the tongue. And it's only when we're silenced should we be able to speak again. Okay, so far we've talked about this. The difficulty of taming the tongue, the disproportionate power of the tongue, and the destruction caused by the tongue. Now, the fourth one. Deadly inconsistency of the tongue. He says, with the tongue we praise the Lord and we curse you. As Nathan read it earlier. Uh, that, that's an important part. You know, we, we can do both things. We praise God down here and then we cut our brother and sister. I remember uh, old cowboy and Indian movies I used to go when I was a little kid. That dates me quite a bit, but some of you went to those. And there was a line that was so frequently repeated in those things that it sort of did something in my brain. I think about it a lot when I think about those old movies. Um, it's like when the wise old Indian chief would say, white man speak with forked tongue, which was an indictment that shadiness, duplicity, lying, intentional deception. James felt the same way, except James would have said it like this, forked tongue connected to forked heart. (laughs) James calls it how people are... uh, They're like ships that are being tossed to and fro. They're unstable in all their ways. He said it in James chapter 1. I got to preach that message as well. And then he says this. He says, brothers, these things should not be. He didn't say these things aren't. He said they shouldn't be. Because they are. And we've got to do something about them. We were created in the image of God to bless God. And it is... It is hypocrisy, it is sin to bless God and one day and casually or intentionally curse those who've been made in his likeness. Um, I, I just want to tell you this. Jay mentioned earlier, and we've talked about it. This letter was written to people who were under persecution. If James needed to say that, to Christians who were brave enough to undergo persecution and he still had to warn them them with tough words about their tongues, how much more should he say it to those of us who are pampered Bible Belt Christians? If they can handle it, we better be handling it. Fellow Christians, good church folk, (laughs) it comes down to one thing. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit we read in Galatians 5. The Scripture says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit are not like gifts that are bestowed upon you. The fruits of the Spirit have to be cultivated. They have to be grown. When we become born again, something happens in our heart, and the Holy Spirit comes in and He begins to grow character traits in us. One of those is supposed to be self-control. Some people have called it the forgotten fruit. The opposite of self-control is out of control. Hello, America. (laughs) The opposite of self-control is out of control. It's it's with our mouth. No limits, no filter, no boundaries, no conscience, saying saying no to the desires of the flesh or the tongue. We see it in others, but we hardly ever see it in ourselves. We hear people express, listen to this, grumbling Negative opinion, blame, complaining. We hear conversations filled with gossip, sarcasm, put-downs, and even sometimes tirades of profanity. And some Christians see it as okay, like on a sports field or something. Oh, that's just what coaches do. Christian ones don't. Or in politics. Oh, well, in politics, you can say anything. Christians don't. Brothers, these things should not be. Some people can't even talk a sentence without lacing it with... Have you ever noticed there are people that every other word is like the F word? I'm sorry to say that, but it is. And you're going, who educated these people? I don't even know what they're saying because that's the only word I can hear over and over and over. Folks, it's not just spoken words either. It can be devastating tweets and Facebook posts and blog rants that can be so devastating... Listen, not just to who it's talking about, but to the body of Christ. Listen to me. I beg you, listen to what we say. How many of us have seen this? We have. A believer goes home from church and grabs Facebook and says, I can't understand why people at my church are so grouchy on Sunday. They need to get a life. Yep, read that one. How about this one? Why is it sometimes good Christians can be the biggest hypocrites or some cold, disparaging remark about someone's political opinions or someone's football team (laughs) or a host of other things? Brothers, these things should not be. So when I read that, I'm thinking, wow, fellow Christian, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? I'm sure your Facebook friends want to come to church with you now. It all comes down to a lack of self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We had a, a, a master's team that just came back from the College World Series being servants there and working in concessions and stuff. And did you know when I went up there, I went up there for a few days... And when I went up there, I went in every one of the, like, dozen locations that they were working. And every leader, not our leaders, but secular leaders, said to me, Hey, look, I'll do this again if these guys will come. They're incredible. They don't bust into cursing and they don't come in drunk. They're incredible. And they are so kind with their words. And I thought, you have no idea I'm preaching Sunday and I'm going to tell that. Let me tell you what it does. It makes the gospel more beautiful. Beautiful. Much more beautiful. Pastor Jay said in the, in the Honduras Mission trip, there was, um, there was a time when the, the team was encouraging one another and they were blessing one another and bragging on what other people were doing. And Pastor Jay said, doesn't this feel incredible? And everybody's going, oh, this is just like, like refreshing going all over us because the words of the believers' mouths were wholesome and good. It makes a difference. Remember my reference to... Uh, Jonathan Edwards earlier about him as a teenager writing a resolution? Historically in the church, that's called a confession. It's where we all agree on something. I sort of think we need a, a confession, a resolution about our mouth. A, a resolution, a confession, is like Christians agree and look, in prayer, God, we want you to help us with these things. I remember in the last... Uh, MC Graduation, we did a song during worship that celebrated that kind of resolution. And Some of you told me that was the most powerful thing I've ever seen when, when they're saying, I pray for you, you pray for me. I'm, I love you, I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you, I need you to survive. That's, I'm sorry I can't sing, but that's what it is. So what I want to do, I'm going to read to you something. I think we're able to put it on the screen. I'm going to read to you this. and I want to see if we could agree on this as a confession today. Because Jesus Christ is my Lord. I am resolved to honor God with the words of my mouth. Amen? To learn when to speak and when to be silent. To speak life and not death. To speak blessing over my fellow believers. To speak evil of no one. To invite the Holy Spirit to cultivate in me the fruit of self-control. Are y'all in agreement with that? Would you stand with me and let's do that together? This is not a typical altar call. I'm sorry, we always do the prayer thing down here. But look, we as a church need to do something today. This is a body of Christ thing. All right, would y'all, if this is in your heart... Would you do what the early Christians used to do? Uh, Tradition says they would raise their hand like they're taking an oath and they would make their confession. Would you join me? Because Jesus Christ is my Lord, I am resolved to honor God with the words of my mouth, to learn when to speak and when to be silent, to speak life and not death. To speak blessings over my fellow believers. To speak evil of no one. To invite the Holy Spirit to cultivate in me the fruit of self-control. Now Holy Spirit, I ask you to hear the words of our confession. We give you permission to dig into our hearts and let us smell what we smell like. So that we may change who we are more into the likeness of Christ. If you agree... Say amen.